Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. I uh, got to tell you, things are getting pretty exciting around here. We are about three and a half weeks from our conference in Orlando. Things are coming together phenomenally. Uh, the pace is absolutely picking up. We're going to have a few surprises, which uh, we're excited about. We're not going to let on uh, too much, but uh, innovation is live and well in the real estate industry, and uh, we're excited to be bringing so much of it to you in Orlando, uh, June 15th. So what we've been doing for the last few weeks is kind of concentrating on the on the conference a little bit, talking to our chairman and, and various different folks who are in charge of um, pre-conference events and special events taking place. And this week is going to be no different. We're going to be focusing on the smart building uh, or a boot camp, um, intelligent building boot camp. I think we've been doing it for about 10 years. And the idea is really simple. We assume somebody knows nothing about a smart building. Don't care who they are, what company they work for, how big the project is, put them in a room and let them ask any question they want. There is no question uh, that is uh, not able to be asked. And we have had some incredible brands in that room, incredible people that have gone on from that basic foundational learning to create some of the most iconic smart buildings, buildings, districts, portfolios in the world. We've got two phenomenal guests today um, at the core of this conversation. Tom Shercliffe, the co-founder of Intelligent Buildings, uh, really the organization we've relied on for the last 10 years to, to put on this event. And John Hester, owner and chief consultant, <clears throat> Hester Consulting, uh, but most notably his last major project was Hudson Yards, that city within a city in New York. So let's bring him on and, and get this conversation started. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, fine, Jim. Good to see you. Um, it's, uh, I, I think about how fast time has flown. And Tom, I kind of remember... 10 years ago, sort of, uh, sitting down with you and saying, you know, we can't assume everybody knows, you know, what we, you know, know or what we're, you know, hunting down around the world. We got to, we got to create a place where people can start from scratch, right? And hence the bill, the birth of the uh, Intelligent Buildings Bootcamp. So um, why don't you give everybody a little bit uh, about your background, as well as the foundational ideas and, and, and where this whole IB Bootcamp started? Yeah, sure. I'm Tom Shercliffe, co-founder of Intelligent Buildings, and we do a lot of advisory and assessments and managed services for building technology and cybersecurity. And Jim, I think it was really an epiphany uh, that long ago, 10 years, hard to believe, uh, that there was a group of us all that were focused on this and pushing the envelope and that kind of thing. But we all started to realize, wait a minute, this is getting to be more of a mass adoption issue uh, but there was not clarity on really how to get going. So we we really uh, took your lead on this and facilitating that anybody in real estate for a project or a portfolio could come to the boot camp and come out of there with actual action items and things they could do to leverage technology. Again, whether it's a new project or an existing portfolio. And I like what you said about the old axiom, there's no uh, dumb question in this environment. No. Um, uh, you know, we kind of joke it's a safe space away from the smart building geeks. So you can you can say I've got a project. What am I going to do? And and the other thing is we 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 give plain spoken methodology. It, we talk in real estate, not in technology. And to your other question, uh, you know, our role is simply to facilitate the best speakers. Um, empathetic speakers, if you will, that can speak in plain language and, and more importantly, help spur some action by the audience. Now, now, I mean, you would think, you know, folks coming from big companies, you know, notable brands would be a little hesitant, right, you know, to kind of get in a room and say, hey, I don't know much, but give us an idea of some of the companies who've sat in that room. 
No, oh, gosh. I mean, that's the cool thing is that some of the most accomplished companies uh, have come in there and said, you know, intuitively, I know we need to be doing more or different right now. Uh, that could be the uh, the uh, Warner Media is a great example, Cisco Systems, Coca-Cola, Oracle, uh, the GSA with their 400 million square feet, Oxford Properties, and, and a host of other REITs. So corporate and commercial, institutional, uh, healthcare, we've seen all kinds of uh, brands you would know in there on the front row. Yeah, well, it, it's been a pleasure working with you guys for the last 10 years and getting this done. And uh, and I do think it has really provided a, a good foundation, um, you know, the beginning. I thought, you know, let's use a building metaphor, you know, the concrete before you put up the steel, you need that foundation. So that's a good segue to John. Uh, John, I mean, you know, you've got your DNA on a lot of different projects and not of them, you know, in the early part of your career, I don't believe they were all smart. Why don't you give our audience just a little understanding of your background so we can, you know, figure out how you got into this intelligent building conversation. Sure, Jim, thanks. Uh, well, I was with Time Warner, Turner Broadcasting, Warner Media, all, all the same company under different names for 26 years. Uh, started off with them as, uh, and before that, I, did, I first got into building automation when York International started to, to dabble in, in, in building automation. But really, uh, my career really was uh, with, with Time Warner Turner. With Turner, I, I started off as an, as an engineering project manager, but also an energy manager. And so I kind of took those two things together. Uh, had a responsibility for a lot of the energy, for all energy management at Turner, and then we merged with Time Warner. Uh, got involved in the time. Oh, what Warner year was that about? Management. What year? What year was the merger? Time Warner merger. Oh gosh, let's see. I I started with Turner '93. The merger must have been. It was before the turn of the century. It must have been around '97, '98. Okay. Because because then at the end at, at the uh, at the beginning of the turn of the century, I got involved in the Time Warner Center project at Columbus Circle. Uh, yeah. uh, right. So that was that was at that time that was the biggest um, real estate project in the history of the United States back at the turn of the century. And we, we did a large project there. I was, the, I was the MEP lead for Turner Broadcasting. And then I, was, uh, I took the position of uh, executive director of, of global building engineering for all of Time Warner Corporate, which was mm. kind of a center of excellence for, for hard services, uh, smart uh, you know, uh, maintenance, electrical and mechanical. And during that time is when uh, Warner Media made the decision to uh, consolidate all of its properties in Manhattan and moved from Time Warner Center to Hudson Yards. Right. Uh, and at that time, we were given the edict by our vice president of real estate to don't, don't we cannot move into a building that is going to be obsolete by the time we move in. Wow. And so my boss and I, Steve Lefkowitz, as, as you all the guy, as you all know, uh, went on a search for okay, how do, how do we keep ourselves? How do we future proof ourselves so that we 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 do what, what we're, we're told to do. So, and, and the end result was Hudson Yards, um, 1.4 million square feet. Uh, we integrated over a dozen platforms, the smart building system, several hundred thousand points. And at, at the time, I think it still is, it was the largest integrated smart building system in the world. So let's, um, just, let's just break that down I, a little bit. So what, sure. what everybody's looking at is Hudson Yards, a city inside of New York City. One of the most iconic, I think, major projects, one of the, I think, was the largest, if still not the largest in the world. Um, and then the, the, the Warner building is, uh, Warner Media building is the one with the, the wing on it, right? The, that's right. The, the mm -hmm. tall one. Okay. So that's a big, iconic building. Okay. And Steve says, we're going to make sure this thing's not obsolete, 
right? Where do you start? So that's actually my next question. What made you decide to attend boot camp and sit in a room full of beginners to say, you know, I don't really know where the state of the art smart building is? Well, I mean, we had to we, we had to do that, right? And there was no way uh, we were going to fake our way through smart building. We were going to have to learn. We were going to have to learn from somebody that that knew what they were doing. And we we wanted to make sure that we started not with anyone that had hardware or software to sell, but with a consultant that could kind of guide us through what we had to learn and how we had to you know craft the the the, the project so that we could get the best possible. Uh, outcome. All right. So when you sat in that room for the first time, you know, you know, listening to your peers ask questions. I mean, were you ready to dive in? Did you sit back? You know, what what was that experience like when you went to that boot camp? Well, I mean, we had dabbled a little bit in in the idea, the concept of smart building. We did have a little. Um, integrated system at the Turner Broadcasting in Atlanta where we had about four or five platforms, you know. So I, I, what I wanted to really do is listen to where the state of the, uh, of the technology was and how, it was gonna, how we could apply it and what it could do for what we were trying to do at Hudson Yards. So it was a lot of listening to begin with um, before, you know, we started to um, ask, ask the questions. No, that, and, and that, that a, a good professional knows that you know early stages of any project listening you know and just kind of getting a sense of of the the ground uh, ground that you're working on is critical so tom you know you're sitting there on the other side you know presenting this information you guys constantly aggregating keeping it up to date but you see some pretty heavy duty folks walk into that room what what, what was your experience was there intimidation was there you know excitement what, what was the the general sense well, I think what's great about it, and John and his team were leading on this idea, is that the people that come there, again, these great brands with these large portfolios and projects, uh, they're really looking for, as John said, how, not what, right? So uh, I've, I've heard John say many times, we've seen dozens, if not hundreds of point solutions. And, and the more important Thousands. is how we're going to, yeah, exactly. Uh, but how we're going to do this. And also say, Jim, on a recent uh, Realcom webinar, Kathy Farrington of Google expressed the same thing even last week or two weeks ago, saying that their global strategy was sort of what John was saying. It was smart building enabled. And that is sort of how am I going to put this together? I'm not going to worry about chasing all the uh, systems and features right away. How am I going to do this so that the building can continue to be flexible? And you heard John say his first mandate was don't move into a building that's already obsolete. And what right. that came to mean to them was make sure it's flexible and scalable and can endure the test of time. And, and I think that's a critical point that's easy to miss where everybody comes in and they can say, wow, you know, smart building, it used to be building automation, then it was a smart building, now it's buildings, IoT, and all these fancy acronyms and all these layers of technology it can become pretty intimidating. But I think you're absolutely right. If you get to the point of saying, look, I'm not going to figure everything out the first day, but I'm going to create a foundation. I'm going to create an architecture that, that can grow with the building as things do change. I can plug things in and out. Right. And the idea of putting one network in as opposed to, you know, 30, 40, 50 different systems, different wireling schemes, all different operating platforms. I think that's a pretty common sense decision to go with one versus 30. 
Yeah, yeah and John, John has said uh, multiple times how this has proven out because, uh, John, you can tell it better, but in mid-construction, they had had a focus on operational efficiency and they were told, wait a minute, this is a big cultural thing for our company. Now it's got to be about occupant experience, but our strategy didn't change. Strategy, That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, we realized that, that there was opportunities for, 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 the, for the employee experience to really benefit from this. And we were, we were uh, I think, forward-thinking enough to include HR as one of our partners in the whole uh, build, smart building experience. And that helped us kind of consider the, the, the right employee experiences to, to, to kind of follow up with. Yeah. And, and, then the, and then the little thing called the pandemic and then a merger. And uh, so John's work from the beginning has gone through these probably four or five phases in, in, in the amount of years you can count on your hand. Well, I think I've heard, you know, multiple people say, if you get the highway right, then you can drive any truck on it you want, yes. right? So, 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 so make, sure, make sure it has enough lanes, make sure it's pretty standardized, you know, make sure that, that the width for the lanes is the same as the car, right? So get the highway right. And then, like you said, Tom, experience, back-end operational efficiency, you know, whatever you're looking for. As long as the strategy and the infrastructure is correct, you're in good shape. So, John, before we go on break, uh, real quick question. I heard rumor that your boss actually was going to attach rodent control systems to the network. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were looking at all kinds of smart building uh, stuff, including bat bat bathroom type technology that would look at the amount of paper left in the in the paper towel dispenser. But yeah, there there actually is technology to uh, monitor uh, pest control, so that instead of having to you know, walk all the pest, all the traps every day. You just wait till you get a little indication that there's one, one has something in it. So yes, well, we I have, I have used that example more than, than he would like <laughs> to know, but, but because a lot of times people say smart building, especially from the old world, they, they think immediately HVAC and then they might go to, to lighting and access control. But I always use like, you know, the fountain at Bellagio and I, I use his example of, you know, rodent control because once you get the highway in place, you know, you can have big trucks, you can have little trucks, you know, you can have all sorts of applications and it kind of opens people's minds to the idea of, well, wow, there's a lot of things I can do in a smart building. Yeah, It really is. Um, all right, let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of um, a little bit of the journey uh, of, that John went through in uh, his uh, smart building projects. And then we're going to get into a little of the details of the boot camp. Be right back. Create a workplace that employees love with AppSpace. AppSpace is the only unified platform that simplifies employee communications and helps you manage your workplace. The modern workplace has changed. Employees want flexible work arrangements, which can create challenges for productivity, company culture, and your technology needs. The AppSpace platform combines digital signage, space reservation, an employee app, kiosks, visitor management, and content to help solve these challenges and build a successful hybrid workplace. Use AppSpace anywhere, easily integrating with your everyday tools. AppSpace helps you reach employees, keeping them engaged and improving productivity. Using the same app, your team can book rooms, desks, and resources while you manage everything in one place. Companies all over the world trust AppSpace to help them create workplaces their employees love. Try for free at AppSpace.com. All right. Uh, I, I, I do want to get into some, a few of the details of the boot camp. But before we do, John, since we got you here and, and this is such an iconic project, I just want to ask you, 
What were some of your biggest challenges, um, you know, going after a project of that size, scope, but really the high profile nature, you know, all eyes watching, um, you know, what were some of the things that you had to overcome? The big, was it, was it the technology? Was it the change management? What were, you know, two, three of the biggest challenges you faced in that project? You know, the, the project, even without smart billing was incredibly complicated because you had so many people, so many entities involved. And getting all those entities to understand what we were trying to do was a big challenge. You know, you had a you had a base building MEP engineer, you had a build out base build uh, uh, engineer, you had the the of course the, the landlord. You had getting all those people to really understand what the concept of a smart building was because they all had their hands in the plans and specs was, was probably the was the early challenge. Then the later challenge was 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 uh, recognizing that the IT lift was a heavy lift, and yep. getting the re getting the resources to, to to make sure we kept the project on schedule. The, 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 the you know the, the the ability was there, but the but but the amount of resources needed to stay on schedule, kind of on the IT side, kind of uh, was a challenge at some point. On a scale of one to ten, how important is it for the facilities operational side of the business? to align with IT, scale uh, of one to 10? 11, I mean, it's, 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 it's crucial. Uh, the, the, the IT team needs to be involved from the very beginning. You know, if you're thinking of smart building, of doing a smart building, you need to talk with your IT, your, your, your CTO or whoever, whoever your, your, your IT person is immediately so that they're prepared, they understand what you're trying to do because it's they need to they, they need to be involved. It's not going to work without a healthy IT cooperation. Would you recommend somebody going, you know, from the facilities, you know, upside who goes to the boot camp? Would you recommend that they bring their IT person with them? Yeah, I would actually. I think that's a great idea. I think yeah. that uh, they, they'd understand. They have a better understanding of what's being trying to accomplish. Yeah, and they hear it firsthand. They hear the questions. They're they're right. yeah. I mean, we've been saying ITOT, you know, integration for probably twenty years. I actually come from an IT background, and when I got into the built environment, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I looked up at the ceiling and I just started seeing IP addresses. Right, I'm saying lights, you know, doors, access control. It's all an IP address, but most of my peers in IT did not see that connection. So, you know, a lot of times we're trying to figure out who drives the smart building conversation. Is it OT? Is it IT? Is it somebody else? Um, you know, in, in one of our organization's cases, it, it, the person, big visionary, came from construction, right? And, but I think getting all people in the room at the same time would be helpful. So, Tom, let's go. Let's talk about the, um, the boot camp a little bit. What are three key things somebody attending will walk away with? Yeah, so uh, a few things I think they'll get, Jim. One is uh, how to very practically deal, use real estate technology to deal with the issues of the day. So we can't ignore some of the elephants in the room. We can't you know, wait for our grand strategy to think about, I'm dealing with hybrid work. I'm dealing with sustainability uh, and I've got uh, cybersecurity. So uh, one thing is how to practically deal with the big things that are on your plate right now. Um, another one I think would be... Um, uh, we mentioned this earlier, a methodology to do this, kind of like John said he was seeking, meaning uh, you just can't chase systems and features. It, it never ends. So we'll give a methodology of how to do that. 
And um, finally, I guess I'd emphasize that this is a this is a real estate conversation, not a geeky techie conversation. So we'll we'll dip in a little bit to some technology, but it's about uh, developers, asset managers, property managers, facility managers, workflow, culture, the way real estate works, and how we can apply technology there. But but if I come into the boot camp with a question like you know I hear about this five G CBRS IoT stuff, you know, am, am I going to get my questions answered? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So so some of those issues we will we well, we will demystify those things and also connect what they have to do with real estate and what you need to do about it. That also includes issues like scoring systems. Like we all knew about lead, you know, back in the day. That's right. still here, but now there's four or five other ones. And do I need that? Why do I need that? Uh, so uh, those kind of questions will will give you a quick practical answers on how to put those in context. And and I think we actually intended for this to be the case when we thought of the boot camp, you know, ten plus years ago. It's really the primer to going to the conference, to IBCon, right? Because when you go to IBCon, boy, it gets technical pretty quick, okay? And you look, go in some of those session rooms and you start seeing schematics of building systems and building operating networks. You know, it can be a little overwhelming if you're, if you're, if you're new to it. But the boot camp, I think, is a great place to get that foundation, get the, you know, get the basic questions answered. And then I think you can actually read the IBCon program better having spent you know, a few hours in that room um, you know, with your team. We've heard that a lot, Jim, and that's the great thing about the boot camp is it's the, it's the pre-conference the day before. So that is the last thing that we do is put in context, you know, now we've got this framework, some methodology, we've answered some big questions. And when you go out onto the floor or pick the sessions you're going to go to, you're going to do it in that framework. And we've heard people say that it was the most productive couple of days at a conference they've ever had because they attacked it with a purpose and with a framework to do it within. Yep. So I got one final question, John, we'll start with you. You know, you've started your career a while back, lots of iterations, just an incredible amount of experience that, you know, somebody younger coming up, you know, the ranks, you know, sometimes are a little impatient and they kind of think they may know a lot of everything, but the reality is they got a lot to learn like we all do. Um, with with your, your career, you know, in perspective, what is a singular piece of advice you would give to somebody starting out on a smart building journey? Uh, the, the singular piece of advice would be to know what your objective is. What do you really want to accomplish with your smart building journey? Is it employee experience? Is it carbon reduction or energy savings? Is it OPEX savings? What is it you're trying to accomplish? And then get the partners involved in your organization to help you to, that, are, that are related to that. That I think is the, is the number one thing, and I, I can't say that without saying, get some help. Don't be too don't be too shy in asking for someone like Intelligent Buildings to be to, to be a consultant. If you're not an expert, don't try to be the expert. Right. Don't be well, don't and, be shy. And you brought up you know occupant experience, energy efficiency, uh, indoor air quality, all these reasons to do a smart building. The, the real answer is all of the above. But if you don't know what all those reasons are and you only look at it from one perspective, that's when I think you can get into trouble. Right? Well, I'll add, though, Jim, that different companies put different emphasis on those different objectives. I agree. And, yeah. and so you have to know your company culture to know which one to focus on. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Got to be prioritized. But, yeah. but like, as Tom said earlier, you were in a position that because your strategy was so spot on as things shifted and changed, you could just plug in the next idea. That's right. That's right. And, right. and, and having all those ideas recognized up front, I think, is important. So, Tom, you've been at this a while. Um, you know, we've been around the world together looking at smart buildings. 
What's the single one piece of advice you would give to somebody starting up? Yeah, Jim, I would say in a word, it's stewardship. Uh, nobody asked if technology was going to plow into our buildings. It's been going that way since the 80s. So you have internet connected digital systems with IoT and more stuff coming every day, including cybersecurity risk. You have a stewardship obligation to have a point of view and embrace it and, and be proactive with it. Yep. Yeah, I, I think the I heard this probably about three, four years ago. I think it was, it wasn't Elon Musk. I think it was the CEO of Ford. And he said, you know, we used to build an automobile, but now we build we, we four wheels on a computer, right? Yeah, a computer with four wheels, right? And that's because of the complexity of what was going on inside of an automobile. Well, if you think there's complexity inside of an automobile, you better understand the level of complexity inside a building. So I would argue that a building is just a big computer and, mm -hmm. and the more we understand it, the better we're going to operate it and the more people are going to enjoy it. Yeah. So guys, thank you so much, John. Congratulations uh, on a, a number of successful projects, uh, especially your last one. And uh, good luck to you in the future. And Tom, thank you for everything you do for the industry and specifically the boot camp. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys in a couple of weeks, three weeks, three and a half weeks. <laughs> thank you, Jim. Take care, Jim. Thanks. All right. Have a great day. Be well. All right, um, let's bring Mr. Berger in. Uh, it was actually a pretty interesting news week and he's got some great stories for you. And uh, Howard, I will turn it over to you. Oh, thanks, Jim. And, and, and thank you, Tom and John. It was really great having you both with us. I mean, it's really amazing when I think of all the major companies that launched successful smart building initiatives and it all started with the bootcamp. Uh, it's really left an indelible legacy, I think, on our industry. And I'm really looking forward to another successful boot camp uh, in a couple of weeks. So now on to the news. And I'm going to recap a couple of stories from the week. So our lead story comes from one of our own Realcom CIO advisors, Don Oldham, VPIT for Duke Realty. And it's a brilliant, thought-provoking article that really focuses on how our industry can think about what is AI, what it is not, and how to best leverage it. And there's a lot of information, misinformation and hype around AI. Yes, we can use it with NLP to simulate humans in a chat room. We can evaluate images for identification. We can predict outcomes from a data set. We can analyze, recognize, extract data from documents. And now there are several vendors who've had really good success with commercial real estate applications like Okapi for predicting tenant risk scores and Sherry for building custom AI models from large data sets, all trios extracting data from deal memos. And we've seen lease abstraction apps and a variety of other vendors applying machine learning to reduce energy spend. And now software providers like Microsoft, they have a, a, a bag of simple tools like Power Automate, so non-technical folks can even build custom models. So not to steal Don's thunder, but he goes on to further describe how he's leveraged tools like Power Automate to yield results with low effort and immediate impact in a number of areas. Thanks, Don. This is a great read. Uh, also, I want to shout out to this week's TED partner, Corning. So why does today's smart building need a fiber-based in-building network? So answers are power and bandwidth, and it needs a lot of it. They enable simple centralized building management, um, enable changes at the edge, unlimited bandwidth to support any requirements, ease of swapping equipment. Now you can do it in seconds. A lot of less conduit and a lot smaller cable trays. Plus, you can have single runs in the in a, from the MDF of more than 2,000 feet, eliminating virtually IDF closets on every floor. So I think the argument for fiber-based networks is fairly obvious, especially now with the composite cable that now carry power. So thanks, Corning. Uh, next, 
At Accenture, 150,000 new hires. They're going to spend their first day of work in the metaverse. So question, what do you wear to your first day of work in the metaverse? So Wall Street thinks metaverse is worth three years and companies are finding creative ways to join the virtual space. So Accenture has over 700,000 employees globally, and they're gonna be using metaverse for onboarding new hires in a virtual campus environment. This year alone, 150,000 new hires will be working in the metaverse on their first day, up from 11,000 last year. Employees are gonna log into their Facebook accounts, use Oculus headsets, and there's gonna be a whole slew of new policies and procedures to figure out this technology. So the change management piece is gonna be fundamental. This is gonna be a great use case to keep an eye on. Uh, and finally, uh, New York City Hotel has launched nation's first NFT hotel experience. So Saper uh, developer launched a curated NFT for their Nomo Soho Hotel, making the hotel the first in the US to offer guests a way to book using blockchain technology. So Saper partnered with a leading tokenization platform, NFT Stays, uh, which is a selection of specially curated NFTs that are packaged with three to six night stays at Nomo Soho. And guests will have access to exclusive preferred rates and competitive prices just by purchasing an NFT with a unique picture of the iconic hotel. Now these packages will start with three night stays with a bunch of additional perks and they're priced from 0.41 ETH, which at launch is valued at about $836, really not a bad deal for three night stay. I'm always fascinated with innovative uh, attempts at incorporating some of these emerging technologies, so keep an eye on this. So I'm gonna, with that, I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, that's it for me today. Uh, so back to you, Jim. So I've got a question. Uh, the, the article that piqued my interest was at Accenture, okay? And they have been one of the most innovative companies in the world for a very long time. And my next point would be, sometimes the, the winning lottery ticket, the, the map to the gold mine is right in front of you. You just choose not to hear it or see it or embrace it, right? So every employee, first day metaverse, I understand they purchased 60,000 headsets, okay? Yep. That's a significant investment. Well, let me tell you how smart Accenture is. The year is 2004. We're on a, we took a delegation of real estate people to Asia. We were in Kuala Lumpur at Accenture's office. And I will tell you for a fact, because I was there, that was the first time I saw a hybrid office. For 2004, Accenture had an office in, in Kuala Lumpur that was physically big enough to hold 100 people, but it serviced 400 people in the region. First they were more. on flex space over 20 years ago or close to 20 yep. years ago. So if I were you, whoever's listening, reading, I would pay attention to that article. Metaverse is still a little fuzzy, but if a company like Accenture is buying in, you, you better be sure that something's coming and it's gonna impact us all. In the survey, no doubt, of course, you know, Meta has made the largest investment in the technology. On the services side, without a doubt, Accenture is uh, is out there yep. as, as you know in terms of investment in um, uh, in IP on how this stuff is going to be used. And uh, that is, in my opinion, I think that's a real that that is a viable. And, and you have some good metaverse conversations going on at the conference, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be approaching it from 
you know, a number of different ways uh, from the, you know, from the technology and that tech and the technology gap, what's going to need to be done for adoption. But we're also going to be talking about, uh, you know, metaverse, uh, you know, how do you look at it as an investment? Right. Uh, what is the, you know, what, you know, how do you, how do you look at it uh, from a financial point of view uh, uh, in terms of. Well, we got, we've got some surprises planned. I'm excited. Uh, we're not sharing too much. We're going to let people kind of see it when we, when we bring it out, but uh, it, um, it, a lot of hard work. I know that you've put into that program and uh, we're excited three and a half weeks to go. So. Yeah, it's going to be great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Sir. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you next Friday. All right. Uh, before I uh, wrap with next week's show, let's hear from our final sponsor and I will be right back. Rebot saves one of our clients over 50 hours a month on their property management project. Another client saves 25 hours every month by using its AI-powered invoice automation. And Rebot finishes the task in just 30 minutes. RPA as a service empowers you to advance your analytics, guarantee consistency, and increase productivity, all while enhancing accuracy and improving employee morale. As a scalable, reliable solution, Rebot becomes an extension of your team, growing alongside you and creating more time for the human members of your team to do what they do best. Your time is important. Let us help you create more of it. Rebot is powered by Retransform, a global technology services provider and partner. All right, so as we get closer to the conference, we have constantly got our ear to the ground to see, you know, what are the big topics bubbling up, right? Obviously, cyber's in there, um, uh, energy, uh, indoor air quality, um, uh, the shortage of technical expertise in our industry. Well, another topic that's been around for a while and continues to be at the top of the pyramid is prop tech, and specifically the prop tech investment landscape. Um, you know, no surprise, I've been a little critical of what's been going on in prop tech in the last 10 years plus. The amount of money uh, put into the industry, the lack of governance, um, the, uh, the uh, uh, number of companies that have come and gone with nobody talking about them. Um, and so we are going to have a really good conversation next week on the status or state of prop tech in our industry. We've got two phenomenal guests, Ivan Van Brooklyn uh, out of Chicago and Stephen McDonald, uh, the prop tech connection. And he's coming to us from Australia. So we are looking forward to that conversation and uh, hopefully our uh, people listening will have some good questions for us. Uh, these guys know what they're talking. They look at the world landscape as far as prop tech is concerned and have their really good understanding of where we are at this moment in time. So with that, I look forward to seeing you all next week. You have a great weekend. Be well and take care.